But you go down, it's like going into this cave. You know, it was, uh, the downstairs is the more interesting decorated part. Two-person table, sat there by the window and had a glass of wine and chatted for a little bit. And kind of, we like to like look at people and guess what their situation is, you know, first date. <laughs> right. Trump hater, Hillary hater. You can tell the whole, you can just look at people and go, that guy right there, that guy hates Hillary Clinton. Right there, you, know, you can see. It looks all nerdy. When we were uh, when we were coming back from Mexico, yeah, we're sitting in the airport in Atlanta. We got hours to kill, so Patty and I are sitting down. Like we kind of leave the group. Everybody had dinner and a couple drinks, and we're sitting around. Catch a spot like in the middle of all that traffic, and we're just people watching too. And we we got to the point where what are we going to see more of between now and the time the flight leaves? <laughs> <laughs> we had we had. Uh, Cowboys, men with ponytails. Now, you're coming back from Cos there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of Texas people go to Cos like a weekend. Well, right, right, right. right. That's yeah. what I mean. We were seeing like dudes in like, yes. like lots of dudes in cowboy yeah. hats, lots of dudes in ponytails, and then guys in superhero shirts. You know, Batman, Superman. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. It's like, I mean, it, it is like the hip thing right now. How old are these guys? So he's teaching this uh, this kid, young kid, young, excited, naive kid, thinks he's getting great instruction because he's got this awesome course director guy. So he's doing his search and recovery. Did a seven-minute dive, ran out of air on the seven-minute dive. He ran out of air because he was doing his second dive on the same on the tank same. that he did the first dive on. And the course director let this... And he let that, let that go, just because it was cold, so they wanted to just get it done. So he goes down So he goes down with like no air, runs out of air, barely gets through, and I go, did he, uh, did he get his card, though, at the end? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course he did. She goes, yeah. I go, so the we'll air see. thing so was so, my fault. So seven, <laughs> so seven minutes... So seven-minute dive, he runs out of air in the process, still gets his car. That just goes to show you, it's just like somebody saying that I'm an instructor. Course director is just to the nth degree. You know how to read an instructor manual really well. Right. You could, like, cite things, and you got probably all well, the tabs in your well, manual. Well, in section 4-2.1, yeah. it says, yeah. With the digital, not that I'm not going yeah. to do any of it, though. <laughs> we get to the water, we get but, to the I can, but I can recite. When I pass that course director test, the, the concentration is, is on the manual, my Patty instructor course. One guy failed. You know how you have to do your neutral buoyancy? We're lined up in a big pool. There's, I think, 12 of us. Just we're just supposed to hover there, and of course the boot up position, which you do all the time in uh, real diving. Uh, so anyway, well, you just you catch that current and go. <laughs> yeah, so you're supposed to hover there, and the standard says you cannot move anything. Right, that's the standard. Right. So what one guy did, 
is he was floating over to another diver, so he pushed off of him with his hand. Oh, did the little finger push? Yeah, fail. Get out. He was gonna no, they failed him. He had to do the whole IE over again. Really? Yeah. I went down with another padding instructor who had already he was already a padding instructor, obviously. And I told him this and he's like, Oh yeah, they're they're really tough. Really tough. It's on a, them. one of the toughest <laughs> this, dang courses. What is you're the practical have. value of of exactly. that, Thank they, you. they don't understand Thank you. what you're trying to accomplish. That's when I, you know, I started as the to as get the as, <laughs> the, uh, as the instructor examiner is laying on the bottom of the pool, oh. negatively buoyant. Let me tell you about the instructor examiner. So with he a, comes with, in. a, with his eight by twelve yeah. slate clipboard, <laughs> he comes in. Fail. <laughs> he comes into the course and he's kind of a prick to everybody. He's like he wants to put off this militaristic. He shows up. He's got this giant bandage on his forehead and he's bragging about it. He's coming straight up from Mexico cave diving. He was driving a little Mako scooter through the caves, and he whacked his head into the rock going through the cave. And he's bragging about this. Okay, He's bragging about this. On a Mako. On a Mako scooter, how fast? Which basically goes backwards when you have it on full speed. (laughs) If you've got twin, yeah, we were in twin 80s. Okay, well, listen, we got to get back to this. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. This is... This is episode 38. It's the cause gonna, for celebration. Yeah, we're going to do, um, we got uh, we got some pretty good feedback about that last week when we did the, I learned about diving from that. So we decided we're going to do another one of them from like 20 years ago. Just kind of play on that same idea of the. That we learned about of, diving. Of what we've that. learned, what we, what we haven't learned about diving. <laughs> because uh, unfortunately, I mean, I just ran into a couple of these, a, a couple of conversations very, very similar to this, you know, and then this one, uh, you know, there's, you know, it takes place in. Lake Michigan and oh well, at least um, it's a some so yeah, it's a local home. dive and it's a you know another wreck dive. Uh, there's a loss of buoyancy and there's a out of air and it, so it's got a lot of stuff that you would think for being so detailed twenty years ago and like the major publication that that people would read it and go like, well, we're never going to make that mistake again. False, 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 false. <laughs> the the problem lies, and I think we've pointed this out is. They're not really identifying the problem. It's, it's just like in our last one. It's They believe that one of the major factors was we didn't have the 15-foot hang bottle like we should have. Right, right. No, the major factor was you planned on it. What we, what we did learn in 20 years is that what we need is a GPS tracking device to float on the surface <laughs> with a 15-foot hang bottle so it's always following you and it's always where you're oh, going yeah. to... So we just need to re-engineer something new and better. So again, this is uh, from Skin Diver uh, 20 years ago, 1997. And uh, this one, I learned about diving from that wreck dive gone awry, out of air and shooting toward the surface. Ah! <laughs> so again, let's uh, let's do this. So uh, in this uh, article, the, the, the major mistakes that he learned, um, there were three major mistakes. The first one was that I hadn't accounted for the buoyancy of my tanks when empty. Did the guy just start diving? Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I face this routinely, that, that people are still don't understand the concept of waiting. Gas Proper waiting weighs, needs to be done gas has with weight. an empty cylinder. Yeah. Gas has weight, and when you go from full to empty, the buoyancy characteristic change. Right, they don't get that. They don't. I mean, yeah. they, they. Well, I mean, they weight themselves like they learned in their class, float yeah. at eye level or thereabouts. The second learning mistake was that I lost my buddy. So we have got another buddy separation issue, which or again, I mean, I mean, you're, when you're still twenty years later, you, you don't go very long listening to stories in this industry 
uh, or in this community where one element where is. one of the element is I lost my buddy. Or your buddy lost you. And the third one was that I didn't check the amount of air in my reserve tank. Oh, you brought a reserve tank. Well, because you didn't want to run out of air, so we brought a reserve. And you didn't check the weighting on your reserve tank. <laughs> probably not. Probably <laughs> not, because then you would have known it was empty. These are the mistakes, right? These are what we've learned. These are what we've learned. So yeah. some, some cool little... Uh, some cool little tidbits, um, okay. and again, because we got the, um, the the good review back, you know, in email and stuff, that uh, I figured let, let's knock out another another one of these. Uh, then we'll get into some other stuff next week again, and uh, we'll come back to this if you guys are really digging it and uh, send us some more feedback. We'll we'll get into more of these old ones from decades ago because I mean they've got that are hundreds, still hundreds yeah. of, that are still relevant. I think yeah, that's exactly. what a great lesson to be learned out of all this is nothing's changed, and you think it would. And perhaps it points to the idea that maybe the solutions they're pointing out are not the real solution. Correct. And I think that's, and I think that's yeah. what we'll get to for sure. Like Excellent. Love it. Yep. So this one starts off uh, from a veteran diver. He says, I've been diving for 34 years. I've spent much of that time exploring the Great Lakes. This story takes place on one of those days when Lake Michigan was very calm. The air temperature was right around 85 degrees, the water was 43, and the visibility 15 feet. It's not exactly the Florida Keys, but we like it, and our wrecks are in better shape. So this is the early days of the Great Lakes diving, right? So um, the 90s, the vises. The Viz is down. Pretty typical, though, for, for summer Great Lakes, right? It's uh, middle of the summer, so it's 85 out, 43-degree water. I mean, that's that's you go 100 feet in the Great Lakes, it doesn't matter pretty much any time of year you go. It's 43 at the bottom. Not to go too much off topic because that's unusual for me, but uh, I used to show this video. I had a video that I took in the 90s of diving the Dunderberg, which is at like 150, and it was the middle of the day. And it was complete darkness, like it was a night dive. You couldn't see anything except where your light was kind of thing. I have a flash-forward video of doing a dive in the mid-2000s with good viz. And so just to show you what those zebra mussels have done over those basically 10 years. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, in the 90s, like it was boom. it was like a night and day, dark. Literally. Night yeah, it was day. like a darker green water. Well, this was a night dive. The water wasn't green or anything like that. This was... We went in the middle of the day. This was like at a noon dive. It's beautifully sunny out. You get to 150 feet. It Black. is night. It is a night dive. It's like you're in a cave. Right. Now you go to that wreck and it's it's and now, blue yeah. and you can still see the sunlight beaming oh, it's through. Sun, like and, I say, it's, it's like 20 feet. In, uh, in, but you could see the video. If I put them right next to each other, you'd think I did one on a night dive and one on a day dive. And they're both done at the same time of day. Yeah, crazy. Just 10 years apart. So zebra mussels, thank you. No, as far I as for clarity. Some zebra mussels. As far as for clarity of the water, no doubt about it. Okay, so he goes on to talk about his, his, the first dive of the day. You know, they get in the water. They're, they're diving on the Milwaukee. They're I loves me the Milwaukee. Out in, uh, they're in 90 feet of water out in the Milwaukee. So, so he, he says, this was a great dive for me. It was only my third dive with my new dry suit but I was smitten with it. The problem occurred on our second dive. I entered the water with 2,000 PSI remaining in my twin 80s. So hold on. Now, was this his first dry suit or just a new dry suit? New dry suit. So it sounds like he's a, a, a yeah, it's not experienced his first in, in the dry. So he's got a new dry suit. Yep. They found a large rip in the hull and swam in very slowly to avoid stirring up the sediment, of course. I clipped the line to the entrance of the rip. The beams of our lights reflected off chunks of the white porcelain that had spilled from the railroad cars full of Kohler toilets and sinks. 
We were about 50 feet inside when we ran into a wall that shouldn't have been there. Is he telling it from the viewpoint of an external guy? It's not him that's... No, he's saying this is... He's recounting his second dive. Okay. I'm just trying to think of who had the accident. The guy telling the story or is he telling about... We were about 50 feet inside when we ran into a wall that shouldn't have been there. My buddy signaled he was going to try to go around it, and I signaled I would descend and look for a way under it. I glanced at my gauges and noticed that I still had 1,200 PSI with another 1,000 in reserve. So he must he's have gotta be independent, in, he's twins. independent doubles. Yep, he's on independent twins. Okay. As I reached the bottom, I found what appeared to be a very large wheels. I was almost 120 feet down, and my mind was a little slow, but I finally realized I was looking at a railroad car that had come loose. So we should say one of the other issues early on kind of backtrack and kind of put this in when we're talking about there was an out-of-air situation, a loss of buoyancy, diving independent doubles. Yeah, independent twins can be argued both ways. I mean, I, I'm not going to – I'm not a fan of them, but that doesn't mean they're they're the devil's duo. <laughs> they're not the devil's duo. El Diablo de duo. Dos Diablos. Diablo, the doubles of Diablo. Diablos. Dos They're much Japan. better than Satan single. Satan single, the devil's doubles. What else have we got? Beelzebub's <laughs> bottles of doom. I was having trouble maintaining my depth. I was too buoyant, so I stopped to let some of the air out of my suit. I even tried crouching up to squeeze air out, but I was still positively buoyant. I started reeling in line as I headed for the gap. I was no longer concerned about my discoveries. I just wanted out of this overgrown steel coffin. That is a a real danger, being too light inside of a place. I mean, that's a real oh, absolutely. tangible danger where you can get stuck in a place. You know, it can happen in a cave. It can no, happen in a Yeah, and keep in mind, like back in the 90s, I mean, everybody was using their dry suit for, for everything, right? Yeah. So you're, you're using, you're inflating the suit to control your buoyancy. Yeah, that's a ton of gas yeah. in there. And then, like, not having all of that area around you to see, it, you know, you, you change depth a little bit. And you don't have that big perspective. You wow. know, as you're just, you're just going through and yeah. the walls are all around you, you get a little bit deeper, you get a little bit shallower. And then, oh, shoot, man, I got all this gas expanding. Why well, point even more towards you're too light? Meaning you didn't take, bring enough weight. You know, like you, he was talking about, he's losing buoyancy. The thing is, you get trapped in a cave, it's real dangerous, right? You don't have enough weight on, boom, you go up to the, a hole, you know, a ceiling and that you can't get down from. You can't swim down, you're too buoyant, especially in a dry suit. Your tanks are too buoyant, you can't take them off. They're, they're floating, especially 80s. Just things like that, there've, there've been accidents that have happened like that where they were too light. In other words, Part of the thing you have to have is some non-ditch, you know, they've lost their weight belt, all of their negative buoyancy was on a weight belt, drop it, you go up, and you can't get down. You're inside of something you can't get out of. Right. You know, just things like that has happened. Everybody thinks of only one side of buoyancy, which is, I was too heavy. Well, there is a, when you go and penetrate something, there is a too light as well. Well, yeah, there's absolutely a too light. And then, you know, not being able to do a clean deco coming up. Oh, or I, even yeah, just a clean, the clean ascent. Is, Once you get out of the wreck, what are you going to do? How are you going to stay at Well, depth? you can you're only get to bolt. the surface. Yes. You can't go past that. So yeah. it's not like you're going to float to outer space if you're too light. Well, Once you get to the surface, you you're done. You could shoot a little. <laughs> 
theoretically. But yeah, I mean, the only recourse you really have is taking that dry suit and opening it to let water in. And even then, like if you're in a neoprene dry suit or crushed neoprene, you, you still got buoyancy. And sometimes that's not enough. So six pounds positive buoyancy can really mess with you. As I emerged into open water, I felt a little better. My greatest fear has always been being trapped in a ship with nothing to do but watch my gauges go to zero. I looked around but didn't see my partner. I started for the ascent line. It was a good 100 feet ahead of me, and I was really pumping those fins to stay down. I grabbed the railing that goes around the ship, but since it didn't intersect with the ascent line, reaching it would be a struggle. Again, this is uh, like a little too late, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, so he's got the new dry suit. He's having the issues. And, and this is often the case where, where people show up in May. They want right. to get out on a Great Lake shipwreck. Oh, hey, I got uh, all this new stuff over, you know, the Christmas season like we're in right now. I got, I got all this new stuff. Let's test it out at 100 feet inside of a shipwreck. Right. <laughs> it's a good place. That's good thinking. No, it's not. So now, of course, this is, uh, this is going from bad to worse quickly. Anxiety's building up. It never happened. And he's getting, he's getting all psyched out and nervous. And he goes on to say, I was breathing too fast. Halfway to the ascent line, my air ran out. I yanked on my reserve, but discovered it was empty. I looked at my gauge. It said zero. I couldn't believe it. It was a hard pill to swallow, but with all my experience, I had messed up. So 34-year veteran. If you did 34 years of doing the wrong thing, it doesn't really count. Actually, it's 34 years of enforcing poor habit. You know, and this, well, it's 34 years of getting away with it. You get away with it, and you think, that's my new threshold. Correct. That normalization of deviance. Let's go back to that. You remembered the correct word. <laughs> Impressed. You know, being uh, doing the, the normal thing, but uh, deviating from, uh, <laughs> there's got to be a term. There's got to be a term. During the next five seconds, my mind processed all the facts and rushed the outcome to me. You're going to die. And on your favorite wreck, too. I spent the next 10 seconds occupied by reasons why I didn't want to go. Can I interrupt here? Go. Because if you really think about it, though, so you put a, you calculate all that, your mind's calculating, and you're thinking you're going to die. Here's what will go through my mind is uh, there are worse ways to die in the sense of you die on the toilet. Say you die on the toilet. So what you should have been doing People is will be like, oh, like Elvis. <laughs> I mean, Elvis can't live that down. Right. Forgive the pun. He's dead. He literally, literally, he can't live. Say that you down. die in your own pool of vomit, or you choke on your Jimi Hendrix style. All these things that ways to die that are assigned to these legends, and it's like they're ma- that's how they're remembered. And I think they're wherever they are, if they are still thinking, they're like, why? Did you, why fate? Why did you hand me this card? I'm pretty sure uh, if Jimi Hendrix, uh, you're going to be famous. You're going to be incredible. You're going to be talented. Oh, you're going to die in a pool of your own vomit. I'm pretty sure if Jimi Hendrix, if Jimi Hendrix had his way, he'd have chosen to dive 100 feet underwater on a shipwreck because he didn't plan his gas. Yeah, but here's the here's the thing about these silly accidents. It'll go up on the scuba forum and nobody will be able to criticize it. He died doing something he loved. And don't criticize. Hey, Jimi Hendrix was a wonderful musician, and he was doing. He was taking a day off. To Let's, enjoy a shipwreck, you, my, you should be celebrated. My condolences to his family, and he died doing something he loved. Let's remember him forever. Uh, meanwhile, the other Jimi Hendrix in the alternate universe died in his own vomit, and that's how he's remembered. And nobody has a forum for that. There's no, like, a rock singer's... There's got to be. Nowadays... Accident forum. You know, how can we stop the- this plague of people dying in their own vomit? <laughs> stop we, saying that. We, you can't criticize him. He was an incredible should we, musician. Should we... 
I think we should stop mixing heroin and alcohol together. Stop. No, that's a, you can't judge people. Everybody has their own way of doing things. What makes you think your way is any better than mine? All right. I tried to get my line around the rail so I could make a controlled ascent by my hand, but my hands were shaking so badly I couldn't tie the line. And he's holding his breath? I think he was going to wheel himself up. Okay. Good Isn't idea. Isn't that what it sounds like? Good idea. We'll see. I was sure I would have air if I ascended since air in scuba tanks expands as ambient pressure decreases. My starving lungs interrupted this thought to explain there was no more time. Forget the line. Get out! Can I say something? The ambient pressure, inside, the ambient pressure inside the scuba tank does not change. The only ambient pressure that's changing is the ambient pressure on the regulator. So well, the, he says that. Since air in scuba tanks expands as ambient pressure no, it decreases. False. As it leaves the regulator. As it leaves the regulator, but not in the tank. Right. Nothing happens to us. So that's you're going way beyond people. You're going to blow their minds if you try to explain that. No, I just want people to know that this is something that they can't handle the truth. (laughs) You can't handle. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. That that wasn't a very good (laughs) jack. No, it wasn't. Am I making you lose your body? I, I held the rail and allowed my body to float. I wanted to be inverted so I could use my fins to slow my ascent as I let go and floated toward the surface. (laughs) Can you read this without laughing? No, I can't. This guy's almost dead and you're laughing. I let go. I let go and floated toward the surface. As I passed 80 feet, I got my first good breath. I couldn't dump air from my suit in the position, so I watched my gauges intently. When I hit 20 feet, I quickly turned around to dump air while spreading my legs for drag. I broke the surface three feet from the line, right next to my buddy. Turning to him, I asked, Have you enough air for the two of us to do four minutes at 20 feet and four at 10? He said, Yes. And we started down, although I found I had plenty of air in my tanks in water this shallow. So he literally just blew to the surface and says, I want to do four at 20 and four at 10. Instead of, Let's get back down. You got some gas. No, let's have a... Hold on. Well, no, I don't think four at 20... I think a better deco would be seven, judging, seven at ten and, and yeah, four yeah, at well, twenty. You're judging the outcome. Wait, hold on. I th- <laughs> this is the conversation we would be having, right? <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't just blow up and go. Come on, we got to get back down. I I'm out of gas. You wouldn't say that. You'd say, uh, "What deco uh, algorithm are you going to use?" I'm doing great shit. <laughs> I'm, my my. My, I should be so critical of this. My guy. oceanic computer's blinking. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get down. I got it. says to get back down. Waiting on the line gave me time to think about my mistakes. I had never emptied my tanks before, so I had no idea how buoyant they were. I had checked my buoyancy with the new suit, but my tanks had been half full. My second mistake was losing track of my buddy. During the last 10 years, I had considered buddies a nuisance. I never thought I might actually need one. So I should have checked my reserve, something I used to do regularly. Since that dive, I've added six pounds to my belt. And on second dives, I strapped six more onto the tanks. In hindsight, I should have passed my safety line through the rail and held it in my hand for a controlled ascent. But hindsight is always twenty-twenty. What I had done right was not panic. I was scared, but I took a second to think things through. I trusted in my training and took rational steps to get out of a dangerous situation. Maybe someday... I'll see you out there on my favorite shipwreck. I'll be the guy with twin 120s. So basically, I mean, what he's learned is that he needs to check his weighting. Oh, you mean like they taught you in open water? I learned about diving from that. I learned I should have listened in class. Okay, 
I always feel like I'm hypercritical of these things. But it's, we are being hypercritical because it's it, it's, it's on the because you're insanity. judging the outcome. Well, so, all right. So what yeah. what's Gareth say? Don't judge the outcome. Yeah, judge, I know. Judge I know. the you're the right. course of action and the course That's of thinking. That's what I mean. That's why I feel I'm hypercritical. It's because well, it's because here it is, twenty years later. Mm-hmm. We've seen it so many times, and, and I hate to happens. tell you, you still, still, you still see this, right? So when he says, waiting on the line gave me time to think about my mistakes, I had never emptied my tanks before, right? So, I mean, that goes back to a, a change in philosophy and thinking that, right. that is relevant today, that, that some of us do teach that balanced concept of, of having your rig balanced in a way that you know that at the worst time... Right. End of the dive, you've breathed everything down, everything's light, everything's empty, you're the most buoyant, can I still hold 10 feet? Yes. Can I still transition from 20 up to 10 and not lose my buoyancy? Yeah, it's got to hold those two criteria. You balance, That's what that balanced rig is, right? The end of the dive or with zero, zero PSI in your bottles, can you still stay at 15 feet or 10 feet? Right, and, and right? too many people take their basic education of I'm just a you know a brand new guy. Hey, uh, can you can you float at eye level, holding a breath with your BC yeah, empty? You know, all right, all right you can go. you can get yeah. down to thirty feet and dive the the reefies. Right. You know, following the dive. Okay, cool. And they, but that doesn't leave them anything <laughs> for the end of the dive. Right. Yeah. Well, but it and it doesn't leave their their thinking well into advanced mm. and and oh. ultra advanced and yeah. ultra ballistic advanced. All the way into they're doing some serious big dives, and they still have that mentality of, yeah, well, I got, I got level. down, mm-hmm. uh, I was floating at eye level, mm-hmm. and then at I the got down, and dive, yeah. they're not thinking through the whole waiting process. It goes to the whole, it's not thought out at all, really. The balanced rig waiting thing, it should be an eye-opener for everybody. You need to be able to stay at 15 feet at the end of the dive with no gas, and you need to be able to get up at the beginning of the dive from the bottom. You should be able to swim up. In case people don't know what a balanced rig is, because I know a lot of people don't. They think it's balanced in the sense of pitch and trim and roll. And yeah, yeah, I got you, I got and, you. And that's not the case. That's that's a different kind of balance and trim. That has not to do with your overall weighting so much. Okay. I want, to, I want, I I want, a, I want a light day. bulb to go, yeah, because yeah, I remember I, it. That light bulb going, oh, wow. That's what balanced rig means because you'd go out on the forums and people would be talking about balanced rig. And I'm I'm trying to balance my rig, but I I keep being, you know, fin heavy. And I'm like, that's not what we're talking about. My second mistake was losing track of my buddy. During the last 10 years, I had considered buddies a nuisance. And this is this is a, a huge holdover that still exists today is people go through their initial training and they're all, everybody's all taught that you have to dive with a dive buddy, but nobody's taught how to dive with a mm-hmm. teammate in the water. It's just, you got to have a buddy. You got to have a buddy. Stay close. You guys are buddies. Stay together. Be buddies. Yeah. You lose each other. Well, nobody taught me how to be a buddy. I just taught you how to be a buddy. Just be a buddy. <laughs> That's the buddy training that, that still exists today in every single scuba class. Well, I like to also teach them that if their girl dumps them, give them some consolation. That's a true buddy. That's a real buddy. But you know what I mean? It's, well, I, that is the, 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 the essence real essence of, of what, a, what a typical scuba buddy is. Yeah, He's the guy buddy. that you're looking at pictures with and signing log books yeah. with after the dive is over. Mm-hmm. There's no time spent in training to talk about how, how, to, to, stay how to stay together, how to organize your positioning, how to signal when different signaling is, is passive is communication. Any difficult. Of that I mean, stuff you're, is, they're is, showing oh, a couple sh- of hand signals. So yes. if you're 
looking right dead on at each other, mm-hmm. you can go, are you cold? I'm okay. They have no other way but to stay together. But com- that's not communication. It. No. <laughs> What's communication? Well, communication is... Did you see the turtle? <laughs> Sign language, yes. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to go down that road. Although I, and then it goes down. Language, you lead, I follow, oh, yeah. and that's the last signal that's ever given. Right. See you back at the boat. <laughs> See, and if you get to the boat before me, I'll meet you at the pub. So the issue is learning to become a teammate in the water, and and finding training that's going to teach you to really be a teammate. And you can, and when you know that, and you have that, then you can translate that into diving in a three, mm-hmm. like we talked about last in the, week, in last yes. week. Right, which correlate it correlates well because you've got three people who understand teamwork in the water, not just three people who are told that they have to have a buddy and scuba diving at the same time. Right, right. Since that dive, he added six pounds to his belt. Not seven. No. (laughs) Not eight. Not five. Six. Problem solved. Maybe, maybe not. The question, (laughs) the question still isn't answered though. Is was six the right amount? Because so many people just grab. I need. Grab a couple more pounds, and, and and they again they hope that it's okay, and they'll use that right. once again until it's not, and they go. Yeah, they'll use that for every different bottle they have. I think a better way to have addressed this or to have written this column is say, well, to address my waiting situation, I went and learned how to properly weight myself. <laughs> right? right, I went I went in with empty tanks and five feet of water, and you know checked my buoyancy. On second dives, I strapped six more pounds onto the tanks. On second dives? Because he's what he's doing is he's diving those same twins. Those twin 80s. He's doing two dives on him. So he's not really technical. What if he diving. runs what if he runs completely out of gas on the first dive? Correct. And I like agree with you. So this is this is the issue. So he didn't learn anything, right? So but I mean, this thinking is still shows up on dive boats today. Well, the, again, we're getting to the root of much of this I learned about diving from that. Yes, and like when he switched to his reserve tank that was at zero. I mean, I, I've seen that firsthand yes, on dive yes. boats with people switching with over, ponies. you know, breathing yeah, the, pony, ponies, the yeah. back mount pony bottle and suck it empty because they thought they were on there. Or they forgot to check it. They didn't, yeah. it didn't yeah. go through I mean, a it pre-dive happen, check. It happens all the time. Or they're slinging it and they don't check it. Or so you're adding, it's leaking gas the whole time. You're yeah. adding a, a, a piece of gear to take care of a problem. But it's it's, it's not, not even the addressing problem. the real problem. The real problem is there. up in you know between the ears. He says, in hindsight, I should have graduated the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so he said, in hindsight, I should have passed my safety line through the rail and held it in my hand for a controlled ascent. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. Well, hold on. You wouldn't have even needed that line had you been properly weighted. So the real problem was the waiting. The real problem was a loss of buoyancy in the sense of you could not achieve neutral buoyancy. You failed at the one biggest rule that you and I preach is you're in control of your buoyancy at all times. Right. And his issue wasn't that at the end of the dive, he couldn't tie the line because he was too buoyant to the rail to use the line (laughs) to hold himself and control himself up. The problem is he got in the water unprepared. Right. Well, the problem is you don't need a line to control your buoyancy. You should never need a line to control your buoyancy. Should I hesitate to say nevers, okay, because upwelling is stupid, silly things. But at the end of the day, he was his buoyancy was whacked. He had no buoyancy control, and I meant even going up. Right, right. and, and, and that stems it. from uh, an improperly weighted rig. Right. His, his gear is not planning. properly yes. set. And so that's the root problem. 
of a lot of this. I mean, not the not the monitoring the gas, but it is at the root problem of oh, I should have looped my my real line to go up. You wouldn't have needed that line if you were weighted correctly. You would have came out, said, "Oh crap!" Right, and and, and that's a hail mary. Yeah, right. Because because he even said he even said in there that uh, you know he tried to get his line around the rail, but he couldn't because he was shaking so badly. So so he missed it anyways. Was so, he cold? Shaking well, he was just shaking in, in fear, fear and nervous okay. and anxiety. So he tried okay. to loop it around, but he but he missed it. Yeah. So he was corking up to yeah. the surface, right? So having like a last ditch hail mary effort isn't a solution to well, the, the to it, the ascent it, problem. Yes, the ascent problem is pure buoyancy. Now. I, I'll give credit where credit is due, and he does mention... He writes well, or did the editor do that? <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due, and, and this is this is something that, despite all these issues, that you can't take away from a lot of these old-time divers that have been diving for decades, is they've got a ton of deep-rooted experience, which has allowed them to come into some bad situations like this, and he mentions that what he had done right was that he didn't panic. And a lot of these old guys, they can keep their cool, they can keep a cool head. And I I give them that, and that's definitely true. Because if this was somebody new, and it was their third dry suit dive, and their Mm -hmm. third dive in the Great Lakes, they wouldn't have had decades of experience to to draw back on to just tough out the situation. Because that's the, the the old way was... Tough it out. Tough it out. You know, there's something that, to be that, said for yeah, that. I that mean, was the old learning cycle, and that's where this guy was stuck. And again, this is 20 years ago, yeah. so he was in that tail end of the really, really old thinking. The the new ideologies are just now coming into play. But l- let me also point out this, and this is something that's left scuba training: is a lot of training devices have been eliminated that were there in order to teach confidence. They were in. They were put in via the military, in there because that's where the scuba training stems from. The military training does a lot, it, not just with scuba, but with almost everything. Is they do a lot of what people would call harassment kind of training, things like that, that don't really have a practical in the sense of, oh, it's not learning to clear my mask. What is teaching you is confidence that you can basically handle anything that's thrown at you, and you'll be able to get through it. Stay okay. calm. Stay stay keep, focused. Keep that cool head. Yes. Rip yep. your mask off. Rip the. You know all of the stuff that I know you and I have had a little bit of that training, right? Does it do anything practical wise? No. You already know how to clear your mask. You don't need someone to rip it off. But in reality, that's how a mask. Ha- that's how it happens. It's sure, off. sure. It's sure. 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 on something. And, but it's all. But you keep. I'm your cool with head. you. I'm with yeah. you. But the problem I think where a lot of the training went was it. It went right to that. You got to get in there and just beat everybody up and rip their masks off. And and, yeah, and I think I that was it, I think that was perception. I don't believe that's. I mean, that's how the military is perceived now, and they're trying to soften it up. That stuff saves lives. Sure, they want everybody but, to but pass. In, okay, they're starting to get the, that same in mentality. the in the dive education model. They've got to. There's you've got to be ready for that. Yeah. Right. In in so much, I that's think it's I think it's highly. Now. I think I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's highly valuable, but. If the if the diver themselves is still struggling with pulling off a good mask clear and a good mask removal and replacement, 
and controlling the buoyancy. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't person. you wouldn't do it then, right? But, but they've but, got so you've got to. That's where like real training comes in. Is you, you learn this art of being able to really master your balance and your control and Wait your buoyancy minute. in the water. So what you're saying is you master all the skills and then you you put them through a little bit of a more training duh duh i no. agree i agree that's what that's what i do that's what you yeah, do i know it this stuff but, is... uh, but a lot of the training is just eh. you, you clear your mask once that's called mastery right? right and then they get their open water card and they can't figure out why when it's kicked off or booted off their face they these people blow to the surface well they blow to the surface because they don't know how to clear the mask they weren't kneeling on the bottom with an instructor in front of their face Telling them to open and you know fl- flood their ma- mask and clear it. They weren't. That wasn't what was happening in real life. In real life, you know, bad things happen to good people. Right. If you don't prepare them for it, shame on you. Yeah. R- knowing how to clear your mask isn't doing it negatively buoyant on the bottom of the pool right. and, with perfect demonstration quality skills. Knowing how to clear and your someone mask coming up to you going, being, "Hey, flood your mask," because right. that's it's being able the, to do the it neutrally buoyant. That, that kicks your mask off doesn't ask you first. Son of a bitch, I'm sick of these dolphins. No, so so being able to clear your mask means you can do it in a way that can correlate to any and every environment, Indeed, meaning yes. neutrally buoyant, balance where you're you're right. not gonna and lose. That's not control how you learn yourself. the first time, but that by the end of the course they go, Okay, well, we've put you through this whole course, we've taught you all the skills. You've got great propulsion techniques, you've got great buoyancy, you can clear your mask, no problem. Okay, now let's put you through a little bit of a test here. The only reason that was taken out of it is because that filters out people that will panic. Right. Okay, we noticed that you're going to panic on this. We need to do a little extra training. Well, we can't do that because the class has got to be six weeks. Yeah, or they get they get fearful, and then they and go, then they don't want I don't want to do that. Yeah, I'm going to go golfing instead, and that's that's bad for the community. Well, it is. I get that, but. but how you about, know what you should do is you we can still train fix it. it yeah, yes. yeah, we can still fix it. Train it into the problem is, well, no, it's, you only got three days to do class. That's why you, you know, again, I, I'm a fan of the military training. I've been in the military for many, many, many years. Did I look at it from the outside and go, oh, those guys are mean? They're not mean. They're trying to save your life. That's the whole thing. Not that scuba diving is like death-defying activity. But there are ways you can kill yourself. Pretty obviously, you you were reading these silly accidents, right? And all of the stuff that we read. Thankfully, this guy obviously had the experience. I'm sure he went through training. They had a little bit of kick your ass underwater training. Well, back in I mean, so he'd been 80s, diving for 70s, thirty sixties. He'd yeah. been diving for thirty four yeah. years back in ninety seven. So he was in the sixties. Yeah. So he he's, he's so he had the harassment training that was built into the class. Right. That left in the eighties. Right. With political correctness. So everybody's got to pass, and don't don't hurt anybody's feelings. Just don't do it. So what good training is going to do is good training is going to really challenge you. Once you once you're good with the skills, it's going to challenge you in real life environments and and make you you know correlate those same skills that you're doing in the pool, but put them into a real life situation. And then good training today is going to examine the, the, the stuff that was done in the past and make you question it in a way that... Maybe what you're trying to get at, too, is you need to actually look at the real 
core root of the problem. For example, this guy wanted to tie a line off to control his buoyancy on the way up. He thought that he should have tied it in a different way. That's really the root of the problem. No, the root of the problem is you don't tie a line off to something to control your buoyancy. Your buoyancy needs to be in control at all times. Again, this goes to identifying the real problem. Because if you don't identify that, hey, my buoyancy is the issue, I'm not weighted properly. If you don't identify that, all you identify is, Correct. I'm going to learn to tie so a different knot. If you, if you, if you leave that. this and you show up to the dive the next week thinking, hey, you got to remember, when you're heading back, <laughs> you got to get that line out and ready so you can get it hooked. Right? If, if that's your thinking process, you're missing the root cause of the but problem. But he was only doing that to control his buoyancy. What, he wouldn't have done it normally. Well, that's right. What yeah. I'm so what I'm saying yeah, is yeah. is if he did the next dive the next week, thinking I don't want to have the mistake I had last time. If this was his fix, I got to make sure that line's ready so I can get it hooked. He's missing the point. Well, he missed the point. Yeah, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. If he's he's still going to have an uncontrollable ascent. If he's if he's thinking, hey, um, I need to make sure that uh, I end the dives early because uh, I got way too buoyant last time. He's still wrong. He's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's missing the point. He's yes. not. He's not catching. I'm just trying to go through all yeah. the things that people might might like, go through their head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you, you're not missing the the, the point. Uh-huh. Right? If you if you remember, if, if his focus is, hey, I, at the tail end of the dive, I've got to already be thin up, head down, because I'm going to get too buoyant, and you know, so I swim in a downward position the whole way back to the upline. You're miss- that's not the point. You might be a redneck if <laughs> you might be missing the point if you think you need to get your reel out for that uncontrolled scent. So yeah, that goes to this really not getting to the core of the problem. Or the other thing that happens a lot as well is they make a mistake, like say nothing happened on this dive with improper weighting. He didn't have a near death experience. Oh yeah, he got the line hooked. Well, well, there's yes. the thing. Like, so if he had he gotten the line hooked and, and and used the line to pull himself up to the surface, Woo. he'd have made it to the surface and, and said, "Wow, that was a close one." This line worked great. <laughs> this is the practice. This is that why I will you. Do. Yes, this is why you always have a line with yes. you, ready so to hook on the rail. You've normalized that, right? That's the, what is that? The normalization, normalization of deviance, deviance right? Correct. So you've made a mistake and you're incorrectly weighted, but you're able to normalize it because you hooked the line up and you came up fine. You're like, well, there's your new threshold of uh, mistakes. You can do this every dive now. Why not? You know how to handle it. Gear's class points out it's so evident. Yeah, okay, no doubt Going about through it. these accident analysis, the wrong mistake is identified, and so they continue to build on their their original mistake, the real core mistake, and they build on it and it becomes normalized. Yeah, they're just reinforcing those bad habits, those those bad mistakes. Uh, just get rooted in because other... You live through them. They work. They seem to work. And what works for me is great. Yeah. The the, the, the effects are being addressed, not the cause. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You're, you know, the end result was, hey, we made it through this dive because we relied on our... Stay tough. <laughs> yeah, well, Be strong. Which is great Focus. to have. It, yeah, it is, it is great, but it's, it's, it's missing, missing the point. Missing yeah. the point. Versus okay. a good, strong, safe practice, right? Well, good deal. Uh that, that that wasn't a great dive for him, but that was a great dive for me. I th- yeah, do you, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that was a great dive for me not being there. The thing is, and it's just not to keep rehashing this, but this is still going on. This stuff still goes on. 
you can put those articles all you want in the back of Skin Diver, and as long as they identify what they had, like what they identified on this, I think there's a. I mean, they did identify that his weighting was off, but they didn't talk about how to correctly do it. They didn't say at the root of the problem is an uncontrolled buoyancy. The diver does not have control of his buoyancy, which is at the root of a lot of problems. Oh, very much so. So, um, big thank you to uh, all of the uh, Patreon supporters out there. Please send us a little uh, message if you're a Patreon supporter. We're, we're going to try to get a hold of you anyways, but if you're a supporter, shoot us a message. Uh, we got a little gift for you. So, hit us up on uh, Facebook or email, info at the Great Dive Podcast, or on the Facebook page. Uh, send us a message. Uh, we got a gift for you, so just remind us you're a Patreon supporter, and uh, we're going to send you out a cool little Great Dive Podcast gift. All right, well, uh, on that note then, uh, let's let's... Uh, will you sign my logbook? Sure. And, uh, we'll get out of here. Okay, here. And sign mine. There you go, James. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Buenos. Said, Is that right? they're 12 pounds positive. And then, then you're like, yeah, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're six pounds. Listen, in the 70s, are only, yeah, six pounds positive. <laughs> you're exactly <laughs> right. I have to put a little more enthusiasm. That's what I was trying to Listen, say. Listen, man, a set of 80s is six pounds positively buoyant. That's all I wanted right there. Also, look for us in our new Cadillac that we bought. <laughs> Bopping down the road with the Great Dive Podcast license plate. Ha, ha, ha.